Good morning, everyone. Um, a very warm welcome to you all here today uh, with Brighton Road Baptist Church. Welcome to those who are new uh, or who are online and those who are new here today. You're especially welcome. Um, we follow the service with refreshments through those doors uh, in the hall um, and toilets and that, that way as well. So uh, do, do feel, uh, uh, do make yourself comfortable here today and um, it's good to have you with us. I have a number of uh, notices that folk would like to make, so I'm going to call them up uh, one by one, but this is your order. Uh, uh, Maya, uh, you're first, then Marion, then Ken, then Tim. Okay. So, thank you. I'm so sorry, I had no idea there was a long list of people. This would have been in the bulletin if I'd had the information in time, so apologies. But it's rather lovely. We've had a request from Joan Reed um, to sing at the care home that uh, Clive is in, uh, to sing Christmas carols. So um, I'd love to do that. I put it to the choir and they were all very positive and I think as many as can possibly come are going to come. So the date is Wednesday, December the 13th and we've been asked to go for 230 so if you can sing at all, you don't have to be Pavarotti or Catherine Jenkins or anybody like that, um, but if you can sing reasonably in tune and um, just love singing and see this as an act of service to the folks there, that would be great. Thank you. Wednesday, December the 13th, 2.30. Thank you. I'll keep it short and sweet. Here I have some invitations for you to take away. They regard um, our, um, a festive film afternoon. Um, it's on the 23rd of December, definitely to get you in the, the Christmas mood. The whole thing's free. It's for you to bring friends along to. It's uh, basically your refreshments are served throughout the uh, viewing of the, the film. It's just a chance for inviting people along and uh, having a bit of time of, of fun and fellowship in a, in a festive way. And it would be great to get rid of all the, the invites for you to be able to, to share with your friends. Okay, thank you. You can tell Christmas is coming, can't you? It's all the Christmas announcements. Um, mine, for those of you who weren't here last week, um, we are having our Advent Big Breakfast next Sunday morning, uh, 9 o'clock in the hall through there. If you haven't signed up, uh, there are sign-up sheets out in the foyer there. Everyone is most welcome. Um, you can have the opportunity of the traditional full-cooked English breakfast or a lighter continental breakfast and we'll cater for dietary requirements. Uh, we would love to see you. It's a great opportunity to gather together informally as a church family before we come to worship. So we hope to see you next Sunday morning. Please just do sign up uh, on the sign-up sheets in the foyer. Thank you. You know how much I love notices before the service <laughs> and this is why. Some of you have expressed an interest in, in taking next steps in terms of church membership, baptism, becoming a Christian. The first of those classes will be here at 7 o'clock this coming Friday night. We'll be thinking about church membership, which is a, a, wrong way, a wrong way around of doing it, but that suits people who want to explore that first who can only come for week one. So if you're interested in the next step, church membership, baptism, Christian commitment, here on Friday, 7 o'clock. look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Thank you. As our call to worship, some words from 1 Chronicles and chapter 29, they're on the screen and uh, I'd like us all to re read or uh, say together the words uh, in yellow and in bold. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. 
saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honour come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Amen. We're going to continue by singing a couple of songs, one after the other, beginning with giving thanks with a grateful heart and moving on to thank you for the cross. We gather together in order to uh, be in God's presence together, to worship him, to give thanks to him, to hear what he has to say, to see what he's doing in our lives. And so let's, uh, at the outset of this service, give our thanksgiving to God.
Please take your seat. Father, we want to thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your grace shown towards each one of us. Thank you that you know us and that you still love us. We bless you, we praise you, we worship you today. And we ask that you may move among us by your Holy Spirit, that he would touch and transform our hearts, our lives, and uh, the communities and families in which we live. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, who here likes a nice cup of coffee? Okay, a number of you. Some of, the, I suppose the rest of you like a horrible cup of coffee. I like a nice cup of coffee. Um, there's no coffee in this, but this is a, an example of what I would uh, put my coffee in. Now, you can make coffee the old-fashioned way by using a kettle. Uh, no doubt some of you do that. Um, but I've moved on from that old-fashioned way. We got ourselves a coffee machine. It's, ooh, you're supposed to go, ooh. Uh, a little while ago. And uh, you put your cup under the coffee machine and you press a button and it does it all for you, apart from drinking it, of course. It does it all for you and there's your cup of coffee. Makes a lot of noise, but it's, uh, it's nice to have a nice coffee. There is a difficulty, though. Now, I've mastered that bit, to press the button and to get the coffee, but I didn't know that you have to clean it as well. So it has a certain uh, processes and stuff that you have to do, so on a regular basis you have to open the door and you have to pull out the tray and you have to empty the coffee grounds and you have to chuck the wastewater away and then you have to put it back in and put the thing in and then close the door again. And that's just the easy part. Because every so often after that, you have to do a calc and clean, it's called, to deal with the calcium build-up and to do with the, the, kind of the bits of coffee grounds that are, you know, clog the thing up. So every so often it comes up calc and clean. Now, you can only override that so many times, <laughs> I have discovered to my cost. So I put my cup under there and I see calc and clean. I say, I don't want to calc and clean it at the moment, I want my coffee. So I press the coffee button twice and it gets rid of the calc and clean sign. And then it fills up my cup and I go away. But every so often, it won't let me proceed. It, it makes me calc and clean this thing. Now, can I remember how to calc and clean this machine? No. No. <laughs> I bought this to make my life easier. And yet there are instructions on calc and clean. I've had this for a while, and I've done a number of calc and cleans, and I have to keep referring to the instructions, because I cannot remember what I'm supposed to do next, what button I'm supposed to put, whether I'm supposed to put my, my uh, container under and get all the wastewater, where I'm supposed to put the tablets and the, the descaling thing. And, oh. and so I have this right next to the um, coffee machine, 
still in its bag, got loads of coffee over it because it gets all wet. But I keep it in its bag and there it has a simple guide on how to count and clean. And every time I have to look at it and remind myself on how to clean this machine. If I didn't follow the instructions, well, I don't get my coffee. Because you can't do it in a different order. You can't miss uh, a, a stage and try and get there quicker. And it takes ages to calc and clean. Absolutely ages. It feels like, you know, I'm, I mean, I don't sit there and twiddle my thumbs or get on with other stuff. But every so often you have to come back to it and take away the wastewater and put a clean one under and empty the water and put a new thing in and so on. So I am thankful that I have instructions to follow. You may be totally the opposite to me. You may have a great memory and be able to do things because you've learned how to do them, even complicated things. Or you may be like me and need a reminder on what happens next, on what to do and when to do it. Later on in the service, we're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul's final instructions, his kind of to-do list, as it were, at the end of the book of, uh, end of the letter to the Thessalonians. But of course, the whole of the scriptures remind us of who God is, of what God is like, of what God has done, and what kind of people we are therefore called to be. Uh, I would recommend, because I forget so easily, to keep coming back to the instructions, to the scriptures, and try to put those into practice. Because, well, there aren't shortcuts. And if we try to do shortcuts, as it were, we may end up without our coffee. We may end up uh, in a place where we no longer find that life is enjoyable as we thought it should be. So I recommend that we not only follow the Apostle Paul's instructions as he gives them to the Thessalonians as we look at them later on, but the wider scriptures as well. And we just listen and look for what God, the kind of people that God calls us to be. If anyone likes cleaning coffee machines then, uh, and you want to be on call, then I'm very happy to kind of contact you when the cow can clean button shows up and you come, come round and experience the, uh, the joys of having a coffee machine. We're going to sing together um, a song that uh, many of you may know. We're going to do it as a round um, and um, rejoice in the Lord always. And uh, we're going to hopefully be able to follow the instructions. So, yes, um, you may know how to, to sing this. Um. Can you, can, you can do. Um. Okay, we'll, we'll sing it through all together. Uh, and then we'll, uh, those people on that far side, follow Louise. And those on this side, have a go at following me. <laughs>
those who are going to BRBK into the kids club are going from us now. Uh, go either through that door there, um, or if you're upstairs, go through the, the door on that side, and uh, the team will be waiting for you. going to continue by uh, continuing to think upon the cross, upon what Jesus has done for us in bringing us to God. And so we're going to sing, Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. take your seats. I'm going to move into a time of prayer. I'd like us to have an open time of prayer where uh, folk are free to speak out loud uh, the name of a person or of persons or peoples 
or places uh, that are on your hearts at this time. So I'll lead, I'll begin, but then I'll leave space for us to either say those uh, situations, those people out loud, you don't have to go into detail, uh, but just bring them before the Lord or to say them in the quietness of your heart. So let's pray. We want to indeed thank you for what you have done for us, in giving us life and in giving us life in all its fullness through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his going to the cross for us. Thank you that you deal with our sin and our shame on that cross and that you call us to follow you. Lord, we want to thank you for that most precious gift and thank you for the precious gift of prayer, for being able to be in your presence, being able to share with you what's on our hearts and listen to your heart also. So Lord, we pray in this moment, speak to us afresh, just bring folk and situations to mind. We want to lift them before you, Lord, knowing that you hear our prayers and that you are a good and gracious a merciful God. So living God, we lift up those people, those peoples, those places, and situations that are on our hearts at this time. Thank you, Lord, for all that you give to us, for the living in this country that we enjoy, and we think now of the many, many Christians throughout the world who are being persecuted daily for proclaiming Christ. Lord, give them courage, give them endurance. Give them relief from their suffering. There are so many millions of Christians who do not enjoy the lives that we enjoy. And uh, it is very easy for us to take those lives for God. Help us to remember those in 
far off lands who suffer daily for believing in you. Amen. Amen. to thank you for your grace towards us. Thank you that you lay upon our hearts, peoples, places. We ask, Lord, that you would have mercy and continue to lay upon our hearts those people you want us to lift up before you throughout the week. Just to be those interceding, those standing in the gap and standing alongside one another. And Lord, we Pray that as we come to your words now that you would speak afresh to us. Help me to speak. Help us together to hear what you're saying to us in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5. And these are verses near the end of uh, Paul's letter. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and, to everyone, and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every evil, every kind of evil. Amen. So, today we're looking at the end of the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, where he gives his, uh, the NIV titles it, Final Instructions, um, or his to-do list. Paul makes a number of requests to the fellowship at Thessalonica, so this is a um, a request to the church, or to church, um, but also to us as individuals. Uh, Paul begins in verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, Paul asks, and the, the word here, the Greek word here, is to make an earnest request, especially by someone on special footing. 
someone from a someone in a preferred position. So what Paul, the Apostle Paul, asks is to be especially considered by his readers at Thessalonica because of that special relationship involved. What does he ask? Well, he asks a number of things, and we're going to go through these um, and kind of deal with them as uh, kind of chunks. Firstly, Paul turns his attention to the relationship between the congregation of believers and those among them who work hard in leading and warning. He asks them to acknowledge them. Uh, This is a word which means to regard and perceive them rightly or correctly in their role. This role Paul describes in three aspects. There are those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. So the word Paul uses for work hard amongst is a a derivative of a word which means to feel fatigue. Those who engage in exhausting labour amongst the body of believers for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom. They work until worn out, depleted, exhausted, wearied by their toll. Secondly, that the Greek word Paul uses for care for you, proistomai, literally means before to stand or pre-standing. He's describing how such people lead by example. They direct by the model of their lives. They positively impact others by their good and godly example. We should not underestimate the importance and effectiveness of having a respected reputation, a solid track record. Reputation matters. The Lord gives the body of believers those who live and lead by faith, who live and lead by love. Let me put it this way. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, in his first letter, describes love in chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. This is a well-known passage to many of us. Let's exchange the word love for leader. So put the leader in the place of love. This is a, a leader who loves. See what kind of loving leaders Christ wants in his church and what kind of leaders we're to follow the example of. A leader who is patient, a leader who is kind, who does not envy, who does not boast, who is not proud, a leader who does not dishonour others, who is not self-seeking, who is not easily angered, who keeps no record of wrongs, a leader who does not delight in evil, but who rejoices with the truth, a leader who always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Such a leader sets the congregation an example in love to follow. They are pre-standing, they're standing before others as a model in uh, discipleship. Thirdly, Paul asks that we acknowledge those who admonish us. Now the word here is theteo, meaning to admonish, to warn, to counsel, to exhort. It's made up of two words, from nous meaning mind, and tithamai meaning to place. So, to place the mind. In other words, 
to reason with someone, appealing mainly to their mind, by warning, admonishing them through instruction. Such a leader supplies doctrinal and spiritual substance or content. Here is a, a preacher, a teacher, an expounder of the truth of Scripture with, uh, amongst the body of believers who urges their listeners and learners to choose and turn to God's best. Paul asks the Thessalonians in this first part to hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. We're to regard such faithful examples highly and in Agape love is the word used here, uh, a, a kind of a divine love pointing to God because their work is for the Lord and for our benefit. So Paul's, Paul's first request regards relationship with our leaders, pastors, teachers, those amongst us who spend themselves working for the Lord and is also a reminder to them to set an example in life, love and faith and in faithfully presenting the counsel of scripture for discipleship growth. Next, Paul, still sticking with relationship, asks the members of the congregation a, a fairly self-explanatory request. Live in peace with each other. The Greek puts it, be at peace among yourselves. Amongst and between the different parts of the body of believers, there is to be peace. They are to be at peace. They are to keep the peace between them. Of course, Jesus taught this, this, his disciples the same thing. In Mark chapter 9, verse 50, we read how Jesus commanded, be at peace with each other. And Throughout the New Testament, and I don't have time to, to speak about this, but you can do your own study. Time and time again, we are urged to pursue peace in its many forms. I urge us as church to seek peace as found united around Christ. Coming back to our scripture verses today, Paul moves from asking to Urging. There's a slight change here, continuing with a bit of a stronger request. Our English puts it, and we urge you, brothers and sisters. The word Paul uses here is parakalio. It's from para, meaning close beside, and kalio, meaning to call. In other words, to make a call from being up close and personal. Paul is getting up close and personal here with the Thessalonians, with his hearers and his readers, and they should take note. Do not take lightly what he is about to strongly request. And again, staying in the context of relationships within the life of the church, Paul urges five actions, we could say, of the church. Firstly, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Again, we have the words that Paul has used before, nuthetio, uh, to reason with someone, to instruct them in what is God's best for them. And we are to warn or admonish the ataktos, a word which means 
literally out of line or out of order or out of place. Those who, are, who live disorderly or who are slack in the performance of their duty. We are called to watch over one another, to help ensure no one is, we could say, getting out of line of God's best for them. God sets out what is pleasing and we must help one another. We have a responsibility towards one another to help each other stay on track. The scriptures, as I said before, are a plumb line for the life of faith. Secondly, we are to encourage the disheartened. Paul uses the Greek word para my theomai, derived from para, again, meaning close beside, and my theomai, meaning soothing speaking. We are cut to come alongside and speak comfort and to show sympathy, to calm and console, coming alongside in that caring closeness. To who? Well, Paul uses the word that we have translated as disheartened as it's a lovely word, oligopsukos, derived from oligos, meaning little in quantity, and uh, psych, meaning soul. It's only used once in the scriptures, this word. It, people think, really, it kind of means someone who is little-spirited, faint hearted, of, of small courage. We are to gently encourage the ones lacking in courage to live rightly for Christ, to encourage the disheartened. Thirdly, to help the weak. Again, the Greek here means to hold firmly onto those who have inadequate strength or insufficient necessary resources, those in a state of depletion, to hold them up when in a state of collapse, inadequacy, insufficiency. We need one another. We need to come alongside one another in that weakness. Fourthly, be patient with everyone. As the Greek puts it, be patient towards all. And again, the, the Greek word Paul uses is makrothumio, to be long-tempered. Here is a state of long-suffering with others. Indeed, with everyone, without exception, to be patient with everyone, not just with some. To defer anger or refuse to retaliate with Anger, thumio, it's got this sense of fire about it. To be the opposite of quick-tempered, to bear with one another. Fifthly, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. As the Greek puts it, see that no one, evil for evil, to anyone has repaid. The word evil here is kakos, an inner malice, inwardly foul, rotten, poisoned, and inner malice flowing out of that kind of morally rotten character. Now you've heard the phrase, the rot is already in the woods. The, the word for pays back is apodidomai, meaning from give. In other words, to return, especially as a, as a payment. So we are not to be those who give back evil 
when evil is given to us. But Paul goes further than just the avoidance of a negative action. He calls us to a positive action, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Paul's, uh, Paul's Greek puts it this way, but always the good pursue also toward one another and toward all. So we, were to, we are to always pursue good for ourselves, for others, for everyone. When wronged by someone, do not repay that wrong. Like for like. But ask yourself, ask the Lord, what is the good I can do in return? Jesus said, of course, you've heard it said, eye for eye and a tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said that it... Uh, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And the Apostle Peter kind of echoes this in his first letter. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing." Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Now Paul moves on from these kind of, I've put it, five requests uh, for action to a, a little mini-series of three short requests of, let's say, uh, attitude, call to attitude. Rejoice always. Have an attitude of joy. Be conscious of Delight in, be glad of God's favour and grace. When? Always. Paul writes to the Philippians the same things, but slightly elaborated. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, just in case they've forgotten. Perhaps he took his cue from David in his Psalms 40 and 70, who declared in prayer and praise to God, May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, The Lord is great. The Lord is great. This is in a place of needing help, needing saving help in a tricky situation. Still praising the Lord is great. Lord, let us always be glad for grace. So rejoice always, an attitude of joy. Secondly, Pray continually, an attitude of prayer. The word Paul uses here, which is translated as uh, continually, is a word which means nothing left between, or without any unnecessary interval of, or time gap. Unceasingly, incessantly, uninterruptedly, without remission, without omission, pray. But how? How, how do we do this? Is this not an impossible ask, I hear you say? 
I want to share maybe a couple of ways that we might begin to understand this simple yet seemingly difficult, near impossible request, pray continually. Firstly, it depends on what we're understanding of prayer is. If we're confining prayer to words spoken or, word, or thoughts thought, then surely we will find this very difficult. We cannot pray continually for our thoughts wander, our words cease or are used for other things. But if we are to regard prayer as much more as a state of not only doing but also being, then may we continually orientate ourselves towards the Lord, keep ourselves close to him, be aware of his real presence with us always. Be always aware of, mindful of the fact that in Christ we are before God. May we always and forever practice that presence of God and be in that state of prayer. Lord, you're with me right now. This is a strong request, as we've heard from Paul, an aspiration, a high hope, but let us aim high. Let us be in a state of prayer, always. Aware of God. He sees. He hears. He knows. He feels. At all times. May we close the gaps, as it were, between this consciousness of God with us. Christ with us. Spirit with us. Within us. Secondly, and I'll toss this out there as an idea, we might understand these words, pray continually to mean that regarding all matters, so if this is a command to us as individuals or as a, as a church, regard all matters, uh, regarding all matters, let us be a church and a people and individuals who turn to prayer, who don't leave prayer out, who don't go another route to try and meet matters, to try and deal with matters. Always pray, pray continually about all things. Let's put it this way, in a similar way that if I was to say, I always travel by bus, it doesn't mean that I live and sleep on a bus, but when, when I do travel, I don't use a car, I don't cycle, I, I don't walk, I always get on a bus to get where I want to be. Chance is a fine thing. So with every matter, may we as church consider, and in every matter I approach as an individual follower of Jesus, may I approach it with and through prayer, inviting the Spirit to speak to me, to be involved, to hear my requests and our requests. So every matter that we as church deal with, may we continually come to God in prayer. Not, not find other routes, not try and use our thinking, our learning, um, any other things, but prayer, always come through prayer. The word Paul uses here for prayer is uh, towards or exchange and to wish or to pray. In other words, to exchange wishes, requests, to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes and desires for his wishes and desires, his plans and purposes as he imparts faith to willingly and humbly succumb 
to his divine persuasion in prayer. So may we, without gaps, pray. Always be before God and always bring everything to him that he may orientate us and work powerfully through us in our words and actions. And Paul tops off this trio, give thanks in all circumstances. So an attitude of joy, an attitude of prayer, an attitude of gratitude. Now this is a thing I think we can more easily begin to do and grow in doing. It's simple but not easy. The Greek says, in everything give thanks. So in everything I or you face, that we face, in everything we feel, in everything we do, in everything I fail, in every circumstance and situation I find myself in, I can deliberately, purposefully, decidedly and defiantly at times give thanks. I can be thankful. Do I give God do I give thanks to God for my bad circumstance? No. But I give thanks to God in my bad circumstance. Even this is to be received with thanks to God for who he is, for who he continues to be, for who he promises to be, for who he will be to me now and always. And interestingly and amazingly, Paul ties these three urgent requests for attitude with an assurance. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you are seeking, if we are seeking to discover God's will in our lives, then we live with this truth. We live out this truth, this promise. We exhibit the attitudes of joy, of prayer, of gratitude. And in so doing, we can know that we are within what God wants. To rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. If you try this trio, you can know that you're doing what God wills. Now, finally for today, Paul turns to how we relate to the Spirit of God in relation to one another as church. How do we hear from God and communicate from God to one another? Paul writes in verse 19, Do not quench the Spirit. Here, of course, is a picture of the Spirit of God, perhaps as a fire that we could pour water onto and cause to dampen or even go out. Or as a picture of the Spirit of God as a voice or an action that we might suppress or stifle or shut up. Sadly, the church in her gathering grows easily accustomed to quenching, suppressing, stifling, silencing, squashing and squeezing the spirit. We grow larger. He grows smaller and smaller until he is a whisper, until he is shuffled out the door. Will we make room for the spirit of God in our lives and in our life as a church, in our worship, in our deliberations and discussions Will we ignore him? 
when he speaks to us and through us. We can pursue professionalism. We can have a desire to control and nail everything down. But in so doing, are we ensuring that, we, that he has room to breathe and l- breathe liberty and life into us? Do we recognise the Spirit's interruption? Would we welcome his disruption? One of the ways in which we can quench the Spirit, Paul addresses next. In verse 20, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Prophecies within the life of God's gathered people are one of the ways in which the Spirit instructs, encourages, steers, warns, comforts his people. Paul writes to the Corinthians, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. We're not talking about condemnation here. Strengthening, encouraging and comfort. I don't have time this morning to speak on prophets and prophecy, but needless to say, one of the clear commands in Scripture is that prophecy must be exercised with and through love. Prophecy is a gift given and distributed by the Holy Spirit for the good of those who receive it in its form of forth-telling or foretelling and must always be in line with Scripture. That's why we need to know our Scriptures. Paul says we are not to despise, to treat with contempt to, the word there is, means to regard or to reduce to nothing. Treating uh, authentic, true prophecy as lacking any standing or value. But, he says in verse 21, we are to test them all. To test all proposed or supposed prophecies by scripture, by this uh, measure of love by whether it strengthens, encourages and comforts. This is why we also need the gift of the discernment of spirits because not everything claims to be from the Lord is from the Lord. This is why Paul continues by saying hold on to the good and to reject every kind of evil. We could take this last instruction out of its context and it would still be a a good instruction, reject every kind of evil. However, here, I believe Paul is writing in the context of not quenching the spirit, not rejecting the possibility of prophecy in our midst and having those safeguards around it, practising the discernment of the source and the purpose of the supposed prophetic words, to know what to embrace and be guided by, and what to reject. So we come to the end of Paul's to-do list, and you can go over it again in your own time. His final instructions to the church at Thessalonica. But may we, as church, humbly heed his requests, his urgent, his urged requests. And I believe that we will be blessed if we do so. Amen. Let's just pray before we sing our final hymn. Father, we want to thank you for the scriptures. We want to thank you for 
the way in which you have spoken into our lives. We ask, help us. Help us daily to listen to you, to learn from you, to walk closely with you, to keep in step with the Spirit. Help us as church to navigate our way as church in this world. And we pray, Lord, that you may honour your name, that you may be lifted high, and that through us, your Son Jesus may be glorified and lifted up and draw all people to himself. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to sing our hymn, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling.
remain standing and uh, we'll have a prayer on the screen which is based upon the, the next verse. We didn't come to it, verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'd like us to pray this uh, together. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify us through and through. May our whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls us is faithful and he will do it. Amen. And if uh, you want prayer or want to pray with some, someone after the service, then there's opportunity to do so. Uh, you need to just go over to that side of the, uh, the space and be prayed for or with. <coughs> 